Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One. Co-host also, Mike, is here as well. And uh, you're not going to believe this. We're going to talk about film festivals this <laughs> entry, this ORC for you, this Oscar Race Checkpoint uh, news show, Michael. Yeah, we got too much stuff to talk about today. And it's yeah. one of those Google Docs that could have been 30 pages long if mm-hmm. we really filled it with everything going on. So that's a fun uh, thing for this time of year, especially after the dog days of August that we can get into September. And, and boom, we got like seven trailers in the last you know hour that came out that we're probably going to have to bump till next episode at least most of them michael because uh yeah we just have so much great stuff to talk about so many first reactions for sure there is a uh, a loaded episode let's dive right into it we uh we have the scorecard update from last episode we can review what we reviewed from the <laughs> reviewers last episode and what the uh the the review scores on rotten tomatoes stand and how uh, how they're being ranked right now some of the earliest from Venice and uh, uh, what am I forgetting there? Tell you right. Yes. So some of them have fluctuated and some of them have not. Commandante, the opening night Venice film, has not fluctuated. That has stayed at thirty percent, forty three Metascore. Ferrari's kind of stayed seventy four percent on thirty five reviews, seventy four Metascore. The Promised Land dipped a little down uh, from a hundred to eighty percent on ten reviews. Saltburn went up, Michael, up to eighty hmm. percent. That was like around fifty percent when we yeah. last spoke about the Emerald Fennell film. So that's good. Good news, 15 reviews. 60 Metascore is concerning, though, for Saltburn. Mm-hmm. That's not great. Yeah. Uh, El Conde, The Count, uh, with uh, Pablo Lorraine's direction there, 85% on 39 reviews, 71 Metascore. That's holding pretty strong. Uh, the Bike Riders, future Best Picture winner, is also very high, 91% <laughs> on 11 uh, reviews right now. 72 Metascore, still relatively high. Nothing cooler than Austin Butler smoking. Uh, <laughs> Rustin, also incredibly high, staying incredibly high, 92% on 12 reviews right now, but a 68 Metascore. Got a little bit of a, a juxtaposition between those two with their Rotten Tomato scores and their Metascores. The Holdovers is 100% on 11 Rotten Tomatoes reviews with a 78 Metascore, very, very high. All of Us Strangers is 100% on 16 reviews with a 98 Metascore, but that's only pulling two critics thus far. Poor Things, 100% on 41 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes and a 94 Metascore out of 34 critics. Uh, And it's also the leader in the clubhouse right now for the standing ovation marker of the film festivals, which we will discuss in a bit. Yes, so we'll we'll cap this Venice section off with those ovations. But let's catch up on the rest of Venice. Priscilla debuted, 94% on 31 reviews, 84 Metascore for the Sofia Coppola film, Michael. Priscilla is a precious film not only for its unsung history, but also an ode to all the women who can love and feel alone in that love at once. To those who are supposed to be quiet, who are told to shut up. That is Savina Petkova for Awards Watch. And then from Marlo Stern of Rolling Stone, people may fault Coppola for dipping her toe in familiar terrain, but it's hard to argue with the result. A transportive, heartbreaking journey into the dark heart of celebrity and her finest film since Lost in Translation. It's high pri- uh, high praise there. I was going to say high price, but that would have been a misspeak. That's high praise, uh, and I don't, you know, if you're dipping your toe into familiar territory, aren't you just kind of creating a director genre? Isn't that, I mean, doesn't Tarantino dip his toe into familiar territory every film? 
every director is in familiar yeah. territory. I mean, <laughs> Wes Anderson, they all do. Right. Of course they I, do. I don't, I don't understand that. People Who have that? interests. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but, of course, as always, the final word coming from David Ehrlich, or at least one of the final words here. Priscilla, the, the antidote to Elvis, not top-tier Sofia Coppola by any stretch, but still a, sens- a sensitive and knowing portrait of a young woman finding the strength to move on from her teenage fantasy. And finally from Joanne, I'm going to say tight marsh. Yeah. Of the I'll London, Marsh. All right. The London even, <laughs> Evening Standard. Uh, she says, Priscilla's story is well known and audiences have most recently seen her depicted in Baz Luhrmann's Elvis biopic. I don't recall, but fine <laughs> if you say so. So what? Take your word for it. So what can the filmmaker add to the Priscilla story? The short answer is not much. So, okay. Hmm. A couple negative reviews. And I, I you know, look, I, I got respect for the critics who go against the grain when we get these hype trains, Michael. But what, what's your overall view on the Priscilla reception? I thought it was pretty strong but there's definitely some red flags i mean me predicting it for like best picture best director i'm definitely feeling stocked down in my you know at the moment would you feel better about those predictions if jacob alordi wasn't involved (laughs) uh no and if you said the opposite i would just say no because the dude is he's doing everything he's doing great yeah, he really is in absolutely everything. I'm excited for Priscilla. I, I, I don't, I mean, not top-tier Coppola. I don't know what top-tier Coppola is. Lost in Translation was kind of a, even if Lost in Translation came out now, it'd be kind of a unusual best picture contender, I feel like. So that's kind of what Sofia Coppola does, for my knowledge. I just rewatched it. It's still pretty darn good, it's even good, though it's yeah. dated. It is dated. Yeah. Yeah. Which, but anyway, all right, let's move on to David Fincher's The Killer, starring Michael Fassbender, Tilda Swinton, Charles Parnell. 84% on 31 Rotten Tomato reviews, 72 meta score. We have Luke Herefield uh, with his Twitter tweeted review. David Fincher's The Killer is a sleek and stylish neo-noir thriller with many grimy traits akin to Fight Club. Michael Fassbender gives one of his fine, finest performances as the chilling, calculated assassin. The ending didn't pack the usual Fincher punch, but it's still an intensely entertaining watch. Nominated for Best Picture, then, and let it win. He deserves a Best Picture win on his CV. David Fincher does. I keep saying that. Robbie Collin from the Daily Telegraph. The film executes its purpose with a liquid carbon dioxide billowing icy resolve. I looked up liquid carbon dioxide. Uh, it's, a, it's a thing. It keeps food, clo- uh, keeps food cold. That's and not... I imagine it's also used to keep a body. Okay, but that's preserved. not what they put on the... Uh... The Hand and Fight Club. I thought that would have been a better reference, but no. Oh, maybe. Man, I don't no, know science. No, no. I don't know maybe. calendars. <laughs> Just building I don't a know list. science. There's a lot Ryan of Lat- stuff I don't know. Ryan Latanzio from IndieWire. It's as unfeeling as any Fincher thriller, at once predictable in its simplicity, but also strangely daring because of it. Is that a compliment? The IndieWire people are... <laughs> terrific at these ambiguous reviews and especially when the poll quotes are ter- are ambiguous mm. even though they're anyway uh even though they're like fresh but okay this being a fincher joint the answers aren't pretty while the images are near le- nearly always sublime that's ben kroll of the rap so like the, again my read on the killer right now is that it's a good movie probably not best picture maybe like editing actor score it inspires hope that it's old school fincher though right i i i thought it looked great i thought that trailer looked great it inspired a lot of hope in me for sure yeah i'm 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 more heartened in my uh 
I just want to see him go back and throw fastballs again. I don't disagree. Love, yeah. love. I mean, his last movie was nominated for the most Oscars that year, so it's not yeah, like he's lost what his is, What does the Academy know? You know. All right, all right. Maestro, ninety-two <laughs> percent on thirty-six Rotten Tomato reviews. Eighty-one is the early meta score for Maestro. And let's start with the critics from the trades, Michael. Mr. Gleiberman himself, a variety Owen Gleiberman, a stunning portrait of the artist as a charismatic narcissist in thrall to a marriage he believes in yet can't completely live up to. Uh, David Rooney of The Hollywood Reporter said it's a soaring crescendo into sorrow. That's a nice pull. Uh, as for Anna McKibben of Pace Magazine, if you are willing to embrace the film's slower sensibilities, you'll be rewarded with a careful portrait of a couple who redefine the scope of a successful marriage. And then we have <laughs> we have a few negative reviews, but uh, look, it, I... <laughs> Hannah Strong of Little White Lies is becoming one of my favorite critics of late, at least Good. in terms of reading all these Rotten Tomato reviews, because she sticks out. And here, here she does again. Sadly, Maestro lacks Bernstein's maverick spirit and warmth, or even captures anything about him you couldn't glean from a quick skim of Wikipedia. Ooh. She didn't like it, Ooh, Hannah Strong. I like that. A little scathing, scathing review there. It's interesting, too, the first couple reviews here one's like it's a marriage he can't live up to and the second one's like well it redefines what a successful marriage is two very different takeaways there from the same movie yeah it's it's a weird uh online presence right now too Mm. because you see all the beautiful shots of them black and white in the park the trailers nice and happy even though it's melancholic i would say you're you're expecting two really good performances i don't know if we have necessarily the read on Carrie Mulligan, definitely. I'm very surprised I didn't see a lot of Carrie Mulligan blows me away. No, that didn't happen. Yeah. It's been Emma Stone blew everybody Mm -hmm. away from Venice. So that didn't happen for Cooper or Mulligan at Venice right now. Maybe it can still happen uh, at at, uh, New York or or London. But, Michael, I'm looking at Maestro kind of with, you know, a stock up in terms of how it's probably going to, play on the academy i mean if, if you have a mature look at a marriage and it's a bittersweet and you know with with rave reviews and beautiful production values i could see this playing on the academy in a big way but i did not get the four quadrant kind of oscar player that we thought we would get with maestro either yeah it seems past lives has to be very happy with the reviews thus far from the festivals right oh yeah Absolutely. Because all the big ones haven't been curing cancer like, you know, something like Dune did years ago. Mm-hmm. Or, or and, and with every big debut that passes that doesn't blow everyone away and become an immediate Best Picture nomination lock, something like Past Lives gets a little more life and a little more longer in the tooth and a little more hope. Here's another issue. Like Bradley Cooper abstained, right? And, and he has every right to. He's on mm-hmm. strike, even though some directors chose to go and some you know, who are actors. I believe he abstained and in the crowd were the Bernstein children and they, Mm -hmm. they did a great job. I mean, that was an adorable uh, post movie standing ovation moment where they're dancing to their father's music. Yeah, That's cool. A lot of people film that. Now, how does that at the, how does that work at the end of a very, you know, sad movie? Is it a sad movie? I don't know. I mean, I, we got to wait and see, but, 
I don't know. Well, I'm I'm very curious at how Maestro's going to play this season, and I'm I'm, I'm like getting you. I was I was surprised at the reception of Maestro thus far. Getting ambiguous mm-hmm. signals. I think past live should be very happy. I think Air should be very happy too thus far. And and that shows up in the in the forecast, the Feinberg forecast. He still got them in the thick of it. Uh, we'll move on to the Kane Mutiny Court Martial. Eighty-seven percent on fifteen reviews. This, of course, is William Friedkin's final film, starring Jason Clark, Kiefer Sutherland, and Lance. Reddick. It's about uh, a naval officer who stands trial for mutiny after taking command from a ship captain he feels is acting in an unstable way, putting in danger both the ship and its crew. We haven't talked about the K-Mutiny Court Martial much until now, but it got well-received uh, reviews here, Michael. Robert Ruggio, or Ruggio, I apologize if awards watch there, the K-Mutiny Court Martial is further proof that William Friedkin was a master filmmaker and that he will be missed. It's probably safe to say that, yeah. A classy update of an already classy film. Not worth throwing in the brig, but doesn't pass with flying colors either. That's Jane Crowther of Total Film. Most of the reviews I saw were pretty happy. I just like to throw some differentiation here. Maybe that's disrespectful. I apologize. But that's a hard review to give. I also feel like that was a lot of Freakin's later work, too. True. Well, was, you know, Father was, of Morth was, was unwatchable. But okay. maybe that's yeah, you weren't You were not a fan of that. I remember you reviewing it and not being very happy that with it. That was nails on a chalkboard. But mm-hmm. I would agree. I mean, a lot of his later work was 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 pretty intense. But still, you know, I mean, he's he's got undeniable directing chops. So uh, we'll move on to another guy with undeniable directing chops. Ryosuke Hamaguchi of the Oscar-winning Drive My Car. He was also nominated in director, let's not forget. This is the Japanese drama about the town that opens up a glamping site. I'm going to see Evil Does Not Exist. (laughs) I'm going to see it at the New York Film Festival. 93% on 14 early reviews, Michael. You should glamp out before you go see that. Really get in the mood. Uh, I I don't glamp like in real life. Never mind. (laughs) Anyway, <laughs> on, the, on the streets of New York City, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> Jessica King of Variety. This is a story made far more of details and textures than of grand actions. We also have Peter Bradshaw, The Guardian, weighing in. It is arguably opaque and contrived, and will possibly exasperate as many as it intrigues. But I found it ripping around in my mind long after the final extended shot, with its two figures receding into the mist. Yeah, the, How's that the, for some alluring text? I, I like the allure of Evil Does Not Exist. I'm getting a lot of intrigue, let's just say, mm. on this movie. However, it doesn't seem to be like the big Oscars player. And case in point, I don't think it's getting nominated unless it's from another country outside of Japan. Because J- Japan picked perfect days. And we'll have to do a summary of where all the international feature selections are going. But Japan picked the Vim Vendors, Koji Yakusho film the janitor who listens to music film michael so damn right they did yeah they did so <laughs> we don't have evil does not exist in that am in that i an expert in the international feature category now <laughs> uh we'll move on to hitman from richard link later starring glenn powell and adria arjona of andor 100 percent on 18 reviews this is gary johnson a staff investigator who plays the role of a hitman to catch individuals ordering a hit so it's that uh heist comedy type of setup there from Linklater and the reviews are very strong smart and steamy screwball fun that's from Leslie Felperin of the Hollywood Reporter fizzy funny heightened hitman is a damn good time at the movies that will leave you buzzing it won't win awards but it will increase thirst for Powell that's Jane Crowther of Total Total Film 
Owen Gleiberman's going to make sure it doesn't win awards. Oh. <laughs> uh, maybe the most negative of the positive reviews here. Hitman is studded with delicious moments, but as amusing as the movie is, it has a plot that sprawls forward in a rather ungainly fashion, and it goes on for too long. I I feel like Hitman, to me, was the one I saw the most positive reviews for. But even mm. that, like even these reviews you picked, say, this doesn't rise to the level of this has to be nominated anywhere. Yeah, that's 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 interesting to me that uh, we're getting measured reviews out yeah. of this year's Venice Film Festival, Michael. And, and I was going to say it earlier, but I think the fact that the stars are not all there in the room mm. might have a. It's just, it's just human nature. Like if you're yeah. in the room with all the stars and you're doing interviews on the side with them and your critics and your, hey, it sometimes that matters. And this year they're sober. And they're <laughs> seeing with a clear lens, perhaps clearer than ever. Anyway, Hitman is something I'm going to see at the New York Film Festival as well. Just, you know, tipping you guys off. Uh, Origin, 85% on 13 reviews. This is Ava DuVernay. We'll have a trailer. We'll talk more about the cast in a minute. But some early reviews state the intimacy DuVernay showcases is powerful and the emotional impact is profound that's josh parnum of next best picture and then we have stephanie zacharek of time magazine writing duvernay covers a lot of ground in a short span of time and ellis taylor's quiet forcefulness keeps the story going Leela Latif of IndieWire took maybe a more measured approach. DuVernay's film is unable to fuse melodrama and academia into a single narrative, even with such rich source material and as fascinating a subject as Isabel Wilkerson. Okay, so Origin released a trailer. Neon acquired it at Venice, and they promptly released the trailer and bumped up the release date all the way to September 11th of this year. So that's another September film that's kind of you know jumping into the conversation, which mm. is cool. Uh, we have Anjanu Ellis Taylor with a tremendous scene to end this, where she's gathering what seems to be her composure mm-hmm. and putting on the face for somebody. Uh, in that moment, uh, after a long close-up, lingering close-up in this trailer, John Berthal is in the stills. They, they seemingly have a relationship there. Connie Nielsen, Vera Farmiga, Nif- Nick Offerman, Nisi Nass, Betts, Audra McDonald, Blair Underwood, Underwood. Hell of a cast here. Uh, you got that, uh, where's the horizon? First shot. <laughs> the, uh, that's nice cinematography. And, and, and sh- great cinematography throughout this origin trailer for yeah. DuVernay. I mean, she's going... Terrence Malick to an extent here, you know? Agree with that. Uh, we have quote the quote from the trailer, all of this is linked, where you're explaining a lot, just like the title of the book that this film origin is adapted from, cast the origins of our discontent. So apparently there's going to be three narrative storylines, one set in India and their caste system, one set in Nazi Germany, and one in America, where I'm guessing most of this cast is involved. So what do you think of this? Three different timelines, too, it seems like. Uh, obviously, Nazi Germany in the 40s. America, it looked like it was maybe in the 60s or 70s based on the dress and the production design. India, I, I have no frame of reference for what time frame they're it being trying mm-hmm. to be depicted there. I said during one of our previews that it sounds like Ava is going to try to to do the story of all of us and how we're all interconnect, interconnected through time. And I was like half joking about that, and I, I shouldn't have been because mm. that's what it seems like she's actually going for here. Yeah. It, and it's, it's a ambitious. big swing. Yeah, I mean, this is a huge swing, but that's all really... I, I feel like all Ava DuVernay does is big swings anymore, and she, I mean, she's like a middle-of-the-order bat when it comes to that. And if we take a baseball analogy one step further, mm. like, she tries to tell these big stories and these big, like, 
doctrines of us and our humanity and how things got to be where they are today. And so I am excited to see how this one comes together, merging all these perspectives and experiences into one coherent plot line. Because if she's able to do that, I would think that'd be one of the more ambitious undertakings we're going to see of this year for as far as screenplays go. That being said, the September release date can't be sitting well with you for Oscar. You know, Oscar. I mean, normally not, except that everything's being moved in October right now, and September's wide open. There's, like, not a whole lot this month. We've talked about that a few times. Dumb Money actually moved back in. To a yeah, I saw that. At the end I of saw them. that. Yeah, I saw. So yeah, I mean, I look. This looks like it's it's a, a lot of different perspectives merging into one storyline, right? And if I were a film bro, I'd be making a joke about how this could be Ava DuVernay's vantage point. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to do that because of the seriousness she's bringing to the subject matter. So True. she has she has beaten the dad joke right out of me with this trailer, <laughs> as she should, as <laughs> and for once. All right, look, let's recap the venice film festival ovations of 2023 we are the uh, uh, official unofficial timers that's right, that's right. of these ovations. The unofficial official festival so, record keepers yes. right so here's what i'm gonna go with poor things is the leader at 10 minutes origin got a nine minute ovation so that it, it was received well in the room michael so that's cool. i also don't know how the major trades are getting so vastly different numbers because we saw or poor things having an eight minute. We saw poor things having a 10 minute. It can't be that hard. You can't be off by two minutes. Mm-hmm. Two minutes is ludicrous. So I'm, I'm going to go there. with one number. Yeah, um, you got to so get us in that room. Poor things at 10 origin at nine. Evil does not exist at eight. And then at seven minutes, we had maestro and Priscilla at six minutes. We had Ferrari and Hitman. five minutes, the killer and 90 seconds. Commandante. Rough night for the opener, but Poor Things is the leader those thus far. But Poor Things didn't get the rapturous length of a blonde, which got 14 minutes last year. The Banshees yep. of Inisherin, 13 minutes. The Whale had a very powerful six minutes, but that was not that long. And then I can't remember if you instituted the five-minute standing ovation rule or if this is what seeded your inspiration mm-hmm. a year later or maybe half a year later when you discussed the five-minute standing ovation rule at Can Michael. But don't worry, darling, was a four-minute standing ovation. So back to your point about how the takes of these the, the reviews are more measured with the A-listers not in attendance. Mm-hmm. Don't you feel like these standing ovations are much shorter this year? And maybe it's because the A-listers aren't in attendance, and so people aren't kind of like going above and beyond to Orson Welles them up. It's hard not to cheer for Anna Diarmas when you think right. she left it all on the field. Right. And then she's yeah. in the room with you. And, I mean, that said, if poor things did get 10 minutes with very little representation in the room. I can't remember if Emma Stone was there or not. I don't think she was, but I could be wrong. Um, she went to Telluride, but she wasn't, like, doing interviews. Okay. So she was all not right. at Venice. So, 10 minutes is a long time if nobody from the film is there except maybe the director. Right. And yet, Priscilla had most of the people there. Ferrari had a lot of people there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maestro did not. They had associated people like the, the sons of sons and daughters of Leonard Bernstein. That's where we're at. Yeah, I think, uh, I think we're looking at lower ovations, and I think that matters. I do think that matters, but... This might be a year of lesser ovations, like Killers of the Flower Moon, which I'm guessing is just going to be a punch to the stomach or the yeah. nuts. 
It's going to be <laughs> or both. <laughs> what, what was that? Uh, what was that punch from Hot Rod? Where he what? Does, <laughs> oh, oh the... <laughs> where he kicks like two <laughs> ultimate punch it. or something. <laughs> he kicks one foot and two fists out at the same time. That was my favorite. <laughs> anyway, can only had Killers of the Flower Moon at nine minutes lead the pack. Made December. Firebrand had eight. Uh, so we didn't get a ton of ridiculous standing ovations this year, Michael. Now, we all know the standing ovation at the film festival is the most sacrosanct of all things having <laughs> to do in the film industry and the most important all at once. That's right. It is interesting. Uh, uh, that's why we take our jobs as the unofficial official festival record keepers so seriously. Okay. It is interesting that um, they're becoming a bit hypocritical of themselves because Firebrand had terrible reviews and yet it got one of the longest ovations at can. <laughs> Well, now we know it's a good movie, despite the reviews. We know the critics are wrong. They good. just got grossed out by Jude Law. Even though character. they were the ones giving the standing ovation? Yeah. Asteroid okay. City was above the five-minute mark. The Zone of mm-hmm. Interest was above. Indiana Jones and The Idol were below. Right. Well, I mean, it worked out. It worked yeah. out just like you said it would. It doesn't ever go wrong, and that's why we need to be in that room. Just get us there. We won't stand and applaud. We won't say a word. We just want to time these things correctly. That being said, the killer at five minutes has got to worry you. Yeah, it is does. It five no. minutes or over? Remind me what the rubric is here. It's, it's, uh, I Minimum? believe it was five minutes and under is, is just pure trash. And why'd you waste your time making this? So the killer is, is trash. And that's not us saying that. That's, that's Hollywood has proven that out. That's Hollywood. Yeah. That's Hollywood. That's show you. business, baby. All right. So Poor Things led the reviews. Poor Things led the ovations. Is Poor Things going to win this thing? The only film yet to come out is Memory by Jessica Chastain. Of uh, uh, No, I would say, like a big name film, mm-hmm. a Jessica Chastain film there. So uh, otherwise, we got the Venice first reactions in, I would think, unless there's an Italian contender that I'm not noticing that's no. not on my radar. Let's talk about that. Here's the first prop bet of the uh, episode for you, Mike. According to the Venice Film Festival website, there are 23 films in competition for the Golden Lion Award this year, Venice's Best Picture. I'm going to give you them divided up into groups of three. Uh, There's going to be seven groups of three and then one group of two, and I'm going to divide them as they're listed on the Venice Film Festival website, and I'll attach odds to each group. You're betting on which group contains the eventual Golden Lion winner. So a lot of these odds are going to be very similar because it's groups of three and there's so many options and they're going to be lower odds, but I'm curious to see where your head's at. So mm-hmm. here are your groups of three. Promised Land, Dogman, and The Beast. I'll give you plus 150. No. Horse Hassan, Ania, and Maestro, plus 250. No. Priscilla, Finalmente La Alba, I'm so sorry, and Commandante, plus 250. No. Lubo, Origin, and The Killer, plus 150. Nope. Memory, Io Capitano, and Evil Does Not Exist, plus 150. No. Green Border, Di Thierry von Elam, I'm so sorry. And Poor Things, Even Odds. Yeah, I'm, I'm, kill- I'm hammering that. I mean, poor th- you got to bet on Poor Things to win, don't you? Unless the well, odds let me give you the, tell me Let me give you the rest. There's only two left. El Conde, Ferrari, and Adagio at plus 250. And then the last two were Woman Of and Holly. I'll give you plus 700. Listen, you could those. give me plus 1,000. For anything but poor things. So I'm you are cool. you just think it's poor things is a lock at this point. I think poor things is going to win. I'd Why be, are you so I, sure? Because I read Twitter. I I mean, <laughs> film Twitter is in play over there right now. 
So yeah, that's but a lot, I feel like I feel like the last few years, the one that's gotten the most love, I mean, isn't necessarily the one that walks away with the top prize. You could. At these you, you're right. I mean, the Banshees of Sharon by rights should have probably won it last year, and they can spread things around a little bit because it is a jury, right? It's, it's Damian Chazelle leading a jury this year. I just think, you know, if if poor things is that that rapturous review from all corners and it's got the filmmaking chops and they're going to recognize the game that Yorgos is bringing here. And I think they're going to give it to him. I wouldn't be surprised if origin gets it. I wouldn't be surprised if promised land gets it. Origin should probably be the betting favorite. I agree. Ava Duvernay's already getting that other big award. She's getting the inspiration award. That's true. That's a good point. So that's probably where they feel, you know, like they're giving her an award. Now, does I don't remember if Venice, if you give out the best film to to one movie and then you give out the actress to another and then the director to another and the writer to I I don't remember if that's the case. We'll have to look up some recent years and so that's those are stats I will do for your for our next episode when we talk about the Venice Awards, Michael, but we can move on to Telluride right now because yeah. they Telluride's done, so let's talk about that. All right. Fingernails, 80% on five Rotten Tomato reviews. Jesse Buckley, Riz Ahmed, Jeremy Allen White, Annie Murphy, Luke Wilson, and this is heading to Apple TV+. Plus. Let's do a positive review from Mark Johnson of Awards Daily. Fingernails is a quirky and charming little film that strikes a delightful balance between humor and drama. And then a negative review. This is from Maureen Lee Lenker of Entertainment Weekly. Its interest in horrifying its audience, or at least making them deeply uneasy, emphasizes the film's ultimately shallow approach to its subject matter. Hmm. And I kind of left you... I I don't know why my uh, setup just hung out there into the ether (laughs) like it did, but I kind of... I don't know what to expect of Fingernails, and I don't know what to expect from a lot of these late, you know, Telluride films, because a lot of these people stay for the, you know, the first three days, but they don't stay into the last day of Telluride or whatnot, and Fingernails is whatever, playing down the end. This is also coming almost directly to Apple TV+, Plus. So, but, but we were intrigued by the trailer. It wasn't even a trailer. It was just like a 30-second look of, yeah, a clip of something in the movie. So we haven't gotten a whole lot to go on and judge this for ourselves with yet. Right. Uh, Nyad. We do have a little more now on Nyad, and it's heading to TIFF, so we'll talk about it more next week. 100% Seven Rotten Tomato Reviews, Annette Benning, Jodie Foster. We have a review from Justin Chang of the LA Times. Vassar Helye and Chin clearly have a gift for mining extreme sports for suspense and excitement. And then from Sophia Simonello of Awards Watch, she writes, Annette Benning is fierce as Diana, once again proving she is one of the greatest living actresses. Foster is the heart of Nyad as she discovers and embodies the warmth, athleticism, and humor of Bonnie. So we had a trailer just released before this episode uh, recorded, Michael, and it feels very Oscar-y to me. I don't, I don't know where you stand. Go ahead. I don't, I don't know about oscar but it's definitely something that's relying on those two performances. And that's where the the bread is buttered. I Annette mean, this is Benning a performance is writing movie on a soapbox in one of those yeah. scenes. So if you were yeah. asking, is swimming acting? Who cares? Because <laughs> <laughs> she is still acting it up in these other scenes. Now, I don't know if it matters the way people look at some of these legacy contenders because we saw Glenn Close kind of going for it like like mad. And even if the movie isn't great, like, I don't know. I mean, right now it's getting good reception and it looks like a fun four quadrant movie about this, 
you know, crazier than than life true story somehow. You Netflix know, too, right? It's a triumph in terms of uh, the human spirit. It's one of those, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and it is it is one of the few big movies that seems like it'll have a happy ending this year that we've uh, come across thus yeah, far. And she, uh, unless we don't know something about it, but right. she swam sixty hours straight. To Cuba. The finale, the finale is just her face down, bobbing in the water. That'd be terrible. <laughs> oh, no. But what if swimming is acting? In that, and we we realize it in that moment. We're one over. All We're right. the Orson Welles now. <laughs> we'll move on to Wildcat. This is the Ethan Hawke, Maya Hawke film about Flannery O'Connor. Just four reviews on Rotten Tomatoes thus far. 75%, three out of four positive. Michael. O'Connor's personality and the filmmaker's attentiveness to detail make this oddball character study worthwhile for literati looking for new angles from which to make observations about perennial subject for biographical analyses. Todd I thought McCarthy. That, yeah, I thought that was so good from Todd McCarthy of Deadline that I didn't need of, to put another review in A lot there. of $10 words there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, good pro quo. Uh, Wildcat is something I was intrigued by. Ethan Hawke makes some... Very small films, and he's been involved in some. He's an indie, he's an indie maestro, both as a director and 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 certainly as a, as an actor. So this could go either way. It really could, right? It is. It is intriguing him getting to direct his daughter too. They've been doing the rounds, or at least they did the rounds, and the videos are just coming out. Or mm-hmm. maybe they got waivers. I don't know, but I've seen them popping up on a couple of the uh, the YouTube interviews, usual spots. Yeah, they did. So getting the waivers, that is, and. Uh, yeah, I'm rooting for it. I I like those two. I like uh, I like Maya Hawk. She's been terrific. Yeah, and whatever she's been in that. too. Uh, we'll talk about Tuesday. This is Julia Louis Dreyfus. This is an A24 film, 100. percent Just on a couple of reviews, but we also got some reactions from the internet on film Twitter. Eric Anderson of Awards Watch. He was raving about Tuesday as such a beautiful gem. My favorite kind of lo-fi sci-fi, a fable somewhere between Edgar Allan Poe and C.S. Lewis with gorgeous visual effects and a fantastic Julia Louis-Dreyfus performance. Michael, I'm, I'm like episode 14 or 15 of season 5 right now of Seinfeld. Oh, good for you. You're moseying right. So what's one of the more recent episodes you've done? Uh, the la- Well, the coffee table. <laughs> the coffee t- great you want the gyros and the coffee table that was that made me laugh <laughs> that was good yeah you're getting it now huh mm-hmm. <laughs> all right mm-hmm. uh scott mance follows that up with positivity of his own of all the movies i've seen at tell your eye tuesday written and directed by diana a new oh boy a newness pusik onionus Ah, you're you're asking the wrong guy on the other, li- other line. Here. I am so sorry, Diana. Sorry. <laughs> we'll get that soon uh, is one that has stayed with me. The more I think about it, I see it as a beautiful and profound meditation about love, acceptance and letting go. Julia Louis-Dreyfus is terrific. That's nice to hear. Those are great words. I don't think Scott Mance has seen a movie at a festival he disliked. Scott, Man- I think you're thinking of somebody else. Scott Mance is a real one, though. No. Uh, no, I'm thinking of Scott. I mean, he's he's you know movie man. He's a very he's a great personality, but he I mean it's kind of heartening in that he loves movies. He loves everything. Like he yeah he 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 goes to these festivals and he's just like you know a pig in a pen. He loves it there. <laughs> well, I'm kind of like that too, but I, it's more the food the foodie reviews. I'm usually anyway. <laughs> The, the level that my brother and I are going back and forth on what we're going to eat when we go to the poor thing screening. Yeah. 
It's it's really it's it, it got to the point where we're we're overboard. Like we're we're going to the East Village anyway. It's ridiculous. You have to have a Frankenstein meal, don't you, in honor of the the film? Don't. Put, no. Now you now we're gonna have to do that now. Put things together from different restaurants and make it one meal. Oh, okay. I like that though. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Maybe. There that, you go. That's good. That might serve all the masters here, because we got like seventy four options, and none of them, <laughs> none of them are good right now. We don't know what to do. All right, you're right. Scott Mance is about the movies at festivals, like you are about the food at festivals. That's true. That's a good analogy. I am the Scott Mance of <laughs> food adjacent film festival watching. Okay. Uh, good. Tiff is next. Tiff has just opened up. I don't have any Boy in the Heron reviews yet but tiff tiff is opening up today the boy in the heron is opening uh tiff we got the boy in the heron trailer to talk about in a second but there's there's a bunch of big name films uh american fiction core jefferson jeffrey wright thelonious monk movie with tracy ellis ross dumb money we've covered a hundred times next goal wins we've covered a hundred times lee was the kate winslet Marion Cotillard, uh, Andy Samberg, Andrea Riseborough movie, mm-hmm. uh, the war movie there, uh, the war photographer movie that is. One Life just got a trailer. Pro- we'll probably talk more about it next episode. Really emotional trailer from Jeff Hawes, Anthony Hopkins, Helena Bonham Carter. Wow. Uh, pool Man looks like Chris Pine as the dude, and <laughs> he is a pool man there. We love the trailer for Reptile with Benicio Turo, yes. Turo Justin Timberlake, Murder Mystery for Netflix. We just got a trailer this morning of The Burial for J- Jamie Foxx, Tommy Lee Jones in this legal drama. It was funny. It was it was uh, moving. But it, it didn't necessarily strike me as this big Oscar play necessarily. That being said, Maggie Betts, I have some faith uh, there. But we got two more trailers that we should talk about. The Boy and the Heron. Oh, my God, the gorgeous animation on this, Michael. No? Absolutely stunning. Absolutely stunning. I mean, it, it, lock it down for an animation feature, Nam, I think. And I feel like this movie is just really going to mess some people up. He does that with a lot of his films. But also, The Boy and the Heron looks ridiculous. It's prepot- nuts. Just crazy. Again, yeah. this man is making a movie that has the weirdest plot ever. Like, these old people turn into herons and fly around. Is that what you got from this? Is that so. what happens? I just I, I was um, fascinated by the woman melting on the bed and turning into a puddle. Read a plot synopsis of sta- uh, Spirited Away, <laughs> and you tell me that that is a sane person writing Spirited Away. Fair. I love Spirited Away. Don't get me wrong. It's just, blah, what the yeah. hell is going on? Uh, and, that's, and my brother texted me because I was like, dude, try to figure out how to take like Monday off and go to the boy in the heron and maestro. We're going to have to pay through the nose, but Maestro's now on standby, so I can't even get oh, in there. wow. I, I didn't do the press thing this year, so I'm going to have to reserve tickets to these other movies. And The Boy and the Heron, which I do want to see, but it's probably not happening. So unless those two movies get the encore weekend, I won't see them. But this trailer, that that was stu- it was a stunning trailer. Even absolutely. Obviously, it's a teaser in terms of the animation level. And gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Uh, we'll also talk about the teaser here for Pain Hustlers on a totally different note. Coming out at the end of October from Netflix, Emily Blunt, Chris Evans, Andy Garcia, Catherine O'Hara. Netflix acquired Pain Hustlers for $50 million, directed by David Yates of a lot of the Harry Potters. And, Michael, this movie had shades of The Wolf of Wall Street, Big Short, mm-hmm. Dumb Money sure. kind of feelings to it. But I don't know what the true story is about. It's about 
Adderall? Is it about actual painkillers and you know opiates? Or? I would think it has to be about opiates, but I'm like you. I don't know the uh, the original story. Um, you know, I, I always entertain you with my, hey, that person looks like that person, and they actually don't look alike at all, and you get frustrated by me? You wear very thick glasses. Mm-hmm. But uh, when Andy, you squint, you ready? Yeah. When you squint, you actually have 20-20 vision. You spotted the coin across the room. <laughs> you're eating onions. You're spotting dimes. I don't know what the hell's going on. Um, Andy Garcia mm-hmm. and Pierce Brosnan in this trailer. How, how did we make this podcast any whiter than it already was? <laughs> you did this. You turned me into this Seinfeld fan, and now that we're officially the whitest podcast ever. Great Thank job. You. All right, welcome. what are you talking about, Andy Garcia? And Pierce have... Brosnan. Okay. He looks like Pierce Brosnan in this trailer. And you're going to disagree, and you're going to tell me I'm crazy, but I'm right. They both have goatees, and they're both very <laughs> handsome. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> handsome men wearing little goatees. little silver fox thing going on with the mm-hmm. side with the slick back comb. Yeah. Okay. That scene where Andy Garcia, if it is Andy Garcia, is cutting the... The thing with the giant scissors, it's like the grand opening, mm-hmm. and Emily Blunt's looking on. I, I swear to God, the first two times I watched this trailer, I was like, oh, Pierce Brosnan's in this? <laughs> is, wait, is that John Cena? Or, no, is that the guy from The Affair? Dominic West, yeah. Dominic West. Oh, my God. Um, anyway, yes, Wolf of Wall Street vibes, Big Short vibes. Remember that Showtime series that only I and the Kirsten Dunst household watched because she starred in it? <laughs> On becoming a god in Central Florida? No, I didn't watch a second of that. But I like Kirsten Dunst. But it's it was it was it was actually not bad. But it's the mm-hmm. same type of vibes as that show, only with like the glitzier and higher corporate highs. I got okay. from this. Yeah, you got corporate highs. It's a true story of this like strip mall criminal conspiracy scheme led by uh, Emily Blunt and Chris Evans. There, I like the. Uh, is that even legal? It's 60, you're going 67 into 65. Uh, I like the the last line from Emily Blunt. You know, you can hire the sex toy if I can hire my mom. You're going to regret it. So are you. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if this is an Oscars movie. I thought not at first, and I definitely wasn't expecting it to be. And I don't Mm -hmm. think it's going to contend for, like, best picture, because I think it's way too cynical. But maybe this could compete in screenplay or costume and editing and some kind of triumvirate there and have some surprise noms in the technicals. But here's what this movie is, though. It's like a movie like I want to click play on, Pain Hustlers. Yeah, absolutely. The second it comes on Netflix. So Which Netflix, Netflix is dying for more than anything right now. That's so. what they want, most yeah. of all. So, all right, we, we had a big list, and we just broke for The Boy and the Heron and Pain Hustlers there. But of the big list I talked about for, with One Life and Dumb Money, etc., do you have any hunches about which of these films might blow up at TIFF? And when I say blow up, I mean like, which of those films would you pick for the most Oscar nominations? I will give you plus 500 for any pick. You, oh, have, wow. to, you have to put 100 fake dollars on it. Where does that 100 fake dollars go? So you got The Boy in the Heron, Pain Hustlers, American Fiction, Dumb Money, Lee, Next Goal Wins, One Life, Pool Man, Reptile, and The Burial. Reptile. No, there's three that I wanted to. Ooh, I wish it was man. reptile. Yeah, yeah. Was, the joke was between those two, so I'm glad we're on the same one. Okay. Um, there's three that stick out to me. Mm-hmm. One's dumb money, which I truly do believe in, and we've talked about a billion times already. Uh, and then there's one life, which we've already talked about a bunch, and one we haven't talked about that much is Lee. Yeah, it's just got those, first look photos today. Andy yeah. Samberg seems to be a much 
larger presence than once thought. When Dick in a Box came out, <laughs> if I were to give you odds on which of those two would star opposite Kate Winslet first, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that Sandberg would have been the the favorite, but good for him. Um, Imagine we have one starring opposite Benicio Del Toro and the other starring opposite Kate Winslet. Both are in the same hypothetical prop bet at this moment. Um, I think I would go with one life right now if you're giving me those odds. Just because that seems like the most Academy-friendly plot. Or at least the one that has the most legs historically playing well with the Academy. So when you watch the One Life trailer, and again, we'll talk about it more next yeah. week, there's a crescendo to the trailer. And I think that is a, that is a good God, that is a, an Academy-pleasing moment okay. from Academies of yesteryear. Now, does it play with the new Academy? Does it play with the new Academy? But your, your, your dad's Academy, One Life, would be heavily nominated just based on that whammy moment Mm. okay that makes me feel better about my choice that's what i would go with what about you okay i didn't uh, i think oh boy that's tough no i would probably agree with you okay soberly looking at this that being said the boy in the heron has potential for animated feature and best director i would say next goal wins you're still high on that could be really good yeah you're still high on that I don't the, know the, what to make of that. The clip is really funny, too. It is. Did I you, agree. You watched the clip of them doing all the drills? Oh, I, the clip? No, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about the trailer. No, I have the not seen The trailer's funny, and they just came out with a new clip, but it's actually a clip of a montage from the movie. It's like a training montage, and it's really funny. So Taika, Taika's just got that magic touch, man. He's he so good. He's and why good. did we underestimate Yorgos and Taika? We, <laughs> but dumb. we underestimated each of them. <laughs> yeah, we're not smart. Well, the Yorgos, the early buzz on poor things was how polarizing it is. Mm-hmm. So, I, I guess not. We'll see. But I would, I would probably go with one life as well. Even though next goal wins is tempting to me. I have another list, a second list from Tiff. Like next episode is going to be big, Michael. This next list includes all these films we previewed already: Boy Kills World, that's Bill Skarsgård fight film, shirt off, Midnight Section, Concrete mm-hmm. Utopia just got picked up by the South Korean Oscar selection proce- uh, process. There, Earthquake Disaster film, Concrete Utopia, uh, Dicks the Musical. We previewed that a bunch. We even titled an episode. <laughs> about it dream scenario that's where nicholas cage professor nicholas cage shows up in everybody's shared dream on earth horrifying a24 <laughs> ezra's about all these comedians and we got all these great actors playing these comedians in ezra rose Byrne, bobby cannavale vera farmiga robert de niro whoopi goldberg etc north star that was this wedding dramedy uh by and starring Kristen scott thomas where she's got a bunch of kooky friends showing up at the wedding if Kristen Scott Thomas is in a wedding, you know things are going to go wrong. That's true. That's a good you know? point. Or right. Four <laughs> out of five yeah. times. Four out That's of five right. times. Yeah. And one time someone dies. Yes. Four weddings and a few. Good. <laughs> hey, uh, now. Sorry, The not best sorry. jokes are the ones that need to be explained. I cannot allow that to be just a, 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 a you know deep cut reference. An innuendo, yeah. I can't I'll just let it be an innuendo. Because I got I'm, you. I have to always over talk. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is me criticizing myself on air. You're right. Sorry, not sorry. 
this was the you know to get serious for a minute it's a doc by the survivors of the louis ck scandal very very intrigued to see how that one hits yes me too because uh, louis ck has just start I mean, he's yeah again i i have my own feelings about whatever people consider cancel culture to be but he's headlined at madison square garden he's been showing up on very popular podcasts again so you're saying uh, he's not canceled uh i i don't think anyone ever is yes is what i'm saying okay yeah, I would agree. Uh, the contestant, that was that doc about the Japanese reality show where a guy was stuck in a room for a year cutting coupons to survive. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about, but I am so in. You don't remember that? that you <laughs> No, were... but my God, am I like, say less. Sign me up. Crazy uh, concept. For he that was in a room show. just cutting coupons for a year. The Japanese people, by the way, mm-hmm. their game shows are i mean just, obviously you know, they're, they're just out there okay okay i'm glad again you didn't say anything all right good well no i mean it's it's a known they have they have the some of the Japanese most physically people. well they have some of the most physically demanding game shows they have some of the most mentally scrutinizing game shows they have some prank game shows they are, are the, the <laughs> japanese game shows are wild affairs okay uh <laughs> if you say so the dead don't hurt vigo mortensen vicky creeps as, and and then Quiz Lady, which just had a trail, a very funny trailer, mind you. Quiz Lady, very funny trailer. It's going to be more of a streaming movie, it seems. This is uh, Aquafina and Sandra O, oh, just really cutting it up. Jessica Yu is the uh, is the Oscar winning director. I I forget what she's been in, but uh, Quiz Show. Uh, this this two very different sisters are forced to pay off their mother's gambling debts by concocting a scheme to go on a quiz show which it was, seemed very funny. And then the, they shot the piano player. I'm doing a terrible job setting this up, but they shot the piano player. Could be an, a sneaky animated feature contender. I, it might also be a documentary. It might be like the you know, the, the flea of this year, mm. Michael. A musical animation from the Academy Award-nominated team behind Chico and Rita, which was, was, which was a nominated uh, animated feature from a few years back. So... If I gave you plus 1,000 odds. Oh, my God. And 100. Anything. anything. Just give it to me. <laughs> 100 fake dollars burning a hole in your pocket. Quiz show. They shot the piano player. The dead don't hurt. The contestant. All those movies we just listed. North Star. Ezra. Dream scenario. Mm-hmm. Which will get the highest also my grade? Okay. Here's the problem with this prop bet. You think I will. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> if I tell you what I think it's going to be, you are going into that screening with an incredible built-in bias. <laughs> All right, how about this? He's not listening, right? Or, or he's not here. Which will? Because who's going to watch all these movies but me? It'd have to be me, like writing it down and like keeping it in a safe place. Because if I ask you the meta score, hmm. We need to know somebody who's going to watch all these movies. I'm going to watch all these movies. Okay. I will give you You got to trust. I will give you my honest opinion. I think you're going to go in with the highest hopes for The Dead Don't Hurt because Mm. you're a big Vigo guy and we both love Vicky Crapes. Right. So you think think it's got an uphill battle. Yes. I think you will be tickled a lot by Dream Scenario. I am very ticklish, mm-hmm. very ticklish. I love, but to, I don't like to be tickled though. <laughs> but I don't think that neither of those two. I'm, I'm between two. Neither of those two would be my picks. 
I think it's either going to be Concrete Utopia or Dick's the Musical. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, obviously, we haven't seen any of these movies right now. I'm going to go with Concrete Utopia. Oh, but I do think, think you're going to very much like Dick, Dick's the Musical. You love South Korean film, as you should. It's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the official Oscar selection from South Korea this year. Mm-hmm. It's a disaster movie, which means there's high stakes. There's built-in uh, melodrama and interpersonal drama in those types of movies. Hopefully that means there's great character work. And if, again, it's an Oscar selection, so you think there would be. So you'd put $50 on both of those? That's pre- Yeah, 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 I would. Yeah. At plus 1000 absolutely. Got it. What a conversation this was. <laughs> AFI, just one note on AFI. Leave the world behind the Sam Esmail, Julia Roberts, Mahershala Ali, Ethan Hawke. There's one more. Oh, there's one more great actor in there. I forgot. I didn't write it down. But it's a. It's one of these chamber piece movies. Sam Esmail of uh, Mr. Robot is directing. That's going to premiere at AFI. So that'll be like the final wave of these film festivals, Michael. Otherwise, we got some trailers to review You're today. God damn right we do. And we got to start with the bike riders. Coming December 1st, Jeff Nichols, Tom Hardy, Jody Comer, <laughs> Michael Shannon and all right. You I just got to like ask this. you like You didn't like this. I've been thinking. <laughs> I can run this cup forever. I built this from nothing. Here's like, my what response. Is he doing? Okay. Okay, you didn't like Tom Hardy's accent. Here's if my you response. Want to ride a bike, you ride a bike. Here's my response. Have you not seen a Tom Hardy movie? But this is he the does weirdest. this in every movie. It's the weirdest though. He's done weird movies, but this is the weirdest. It's it's uh, not to me. Honest to God, I was I I didn't and, and our buddy Andrew Morgan was busting balls with us over text about it. I was like, oh. It's Tom Hardy. <laughs> it was not like, what is he doing? What is that? It was just like, oh, Tom Hardy's in another movie for me. He's squawking like a crow <laughs> in your yard. It's absurd. The accent there in this. I really is didn't jarring. get that, Mike. I'm not, and this is not me like playing favorites or anything. Like I was just, I did not. It didn't register. Jody Comer's accent to me, I agree, was like a little too parody People? of Da Bears. People are saying that she's going to win the Oscar. And people we trust, like the Feinberg forecast, she's going to be in the mix now. She's a bona fide Oscar oh contender. All, and then in this trailer, this she's happening. looking at Austin Butler smoking. And she's like, what if the Bears bus entered the Indianapolis 500? <laughs> the Bears against the assembled choir of heavenly angels. <laughs> Is Dicka driving? Of course. <laughs> of course Dicka's driving. And she's she's this accent is pure that utter poppycock. Well, I don't think it's Can poppycock, I but I no, do it's think pop- it's over it's, the top. It's it's cocked poppy. <laughs> I do, it is I nonsense. I I stop short of the popping of the cocky. But I do think it is a little over the top and a little into parodyville. But we didn't get much of Jody Comer in this trailer either. Jeff Nichols has allowed his cast to run roughshod. (laughs) I don't think Tom Hardy is that bad. And it's gonna it's gonna be totally. We reviewed Capone. uh, Capone. Listen, we thought it was ridiculous and Capone, but it was so ridiculous it was funny. It was so bad it was good. (laughs) And then this movie comes along that's supposed to be a Best Picture contender, and all these guys are each one of them is D Reynolds. All right. 
but we but when do- here's the problem, Michael. Yeah. Here's the problem. When yeah. you contrast it to what John Travolta and what William H <laughs> Macy Christ. and all of the guys <laughs> are going to do in the hot tub, and their voices are going <laughs> to they're going to be the baseline, and then all of these other nonsense people are just talking nonsense. If Jeff Nichols had any sense of humor, he would like intersperse that scene for like two seconds into there into a montage in this movie. It's like Austin Butler smoking, Tom Hardy riding a bike, Michael Shannon staring off into the distance, William H. Macy topless in a hot tub. (laughs) Here's a question, though, for you. Do you think Austin Butler shook his Elvis? Or do you think, because it's a very breathy one word, I'm burning. No, I I haven't shook my Austin Butler Elvis. You have such a bias. I'm Benny. You can't stand that I've been right about this movie. That's what the problem is here. This is the whole problem, the whole issue. It 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 chaps you. It eats away at you that I nailed this movie. <laughs> There's a long list of things that chap me about you. <laughs> Whether you pick the bike rider. <laughs> Whether you pick the bike rider is exactly right. Keeps you up at night. I know it does. Let me let me ask you a serious question about Austin Butler. Serious question. You were offended by Tom Hardy's accent. You don't like Jodie Comer's accent. You think Jeff Nichols let what percentage of all the faults of this trailer do you forgive because Austin Butler looks that freaking cool smoking a cigarette? He does look cool smoking he's, a cigarette. He's the coolest. And he he is like the he is he's like James the mysterious Dean. pull of the trailer. Yes, he's James Dean. Yes, it's it's a revolve. It's a revolving story around Austin Butler that Jody Comer's is going to steal. Apparently, mm-hmm. right? Well, it seems that way based on the uh, early reviews. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I I I would not expect a lot from the bike riders based on its reception right now. Like if you gave me an over under of one Oscar. Yeah, let's do that. All right, all right over under ha- one half, over under one and a half noms. Under. <laughs> what are my odds? <laughs> you think you no no chance? You don't think any I technical? I would be surprised at this moment, but you know, uh, again, I'm negging you here, and I'm I'm picking the under <laughs> because it's okay. a lot of fun, by the way. Okay, but give me over under eight and a half. <laughs> <laughs> We got to move on. That's my favorite conversation. All right. May, December. May, December got a trailer, Michael. This is Todd Haynes, Natalie Portman, Julianne Moore. This is coming to uh, to Netflix. This is opening the New York Film Festival, May, December. This got a very good reception at Cannes. Teaser, not a trailer. but A lot of teasers this week, yeah, because of all the film festival happenings. And this was one of them. The mirror shot of Natalie Portman is featured, and it's featured twice. It's like the through line. My love. I think about you all the time, and she's telling, talking to herself in the mirror, but she's trying to bone up on the part of Julianne Moore's character yeah. who she's about to play, and she's living with this family that has been at the center of the scandal for forever. I really didn't get a whole lot of talking points from this. I mean, it's only 33 seconds or something like that, but like... To me, the headline is, if you're dying to see anything from May, December because of all the previewing and hype you've heard about it then you have this now online that you can look at that's i mean i don't yes it's a mirror scene yes it's natalie portman getting in character but there just was not a lot to talk about for me for from that look when you get into the subject matter here of Mm -hmm. julianne moore's character falling in love with her student yeah back in the day now what age was the student 
but she committed a crime. She went to jail, and they're still married to this day. All these years later, these two characters, like what? Is this based on the real life? Because I know something like that did happen. Was this professor? Yeah, was this professor college student, which is still very wrong, but or was this like he was an eleven year old child, and that was statutory rape, and Jesus? Yeah, that was I, the Kate Blanchett movie with uh, Dame right. Judi Dench, right? I think the real life story I'm thinking of was a high school teacher, which you know doesn't make it better. Jesus, of course not. So, so if the, if it has that d- subject matter, May December is going to have an uphill battle. Mm-hmm. I don't because disagree. That is grimy, and that is stuff people are not going to want to deal with. Maybe just rested on the uh, the performances, and you got to do it just right. But it's opening New York Film Festival. Obviously, film at Lincoln Center thought they did it just right. Are you getting to this one? I, I can't get to opening night, no. So okay. I'm, I'm looking at it, and I'm hoping it goes to the Encore uh, weekend. That's where I'm at. Uh, a movie I'm not going to seek out uh, very <laughs> soon is Chicken Run Dawn of the Nugget. However, it's coming out December 15th on Netflix, going to BFI London. I forget if it's going to TIFF or not, but Chicken Run Dawn, I don't think so. Chicken Run Dawn of the Nugget. Actually had a fun, cutesy little trailer here where it's this funny heist action movie spoof. Yes. It's uh, it's season three of Lost. Okay. <laughs> With chickens. Yeah. We have to go back. Last time we broke out of the chicken farm. This time we're breaking in. In an accent. Um, feels like a kid's movie. Yes, it does. More That's than the same Oscars. takeaway I had. I didn't feel Oscar-y from this trailer. It felt more like a kid's movie. And it's a very small cast, too. Only 12 okay. voices are credited, only 12 actors. And, I mean, I looked up, just for comparison's sake, like Aladdin from 1992, and even that had, like, 22 credited voices. So, That Tiny. being said, Ardman Studios... Ardman Studios has done very well in Best Animated Feature since 2000. Chicken Run debuted in 2000. That was a year earlier, I want to say, than the 2001 Oscars, but maybe it was eligible. I don't know. I can't go back that far and do the research, but uh, four out of the nine films from Ardman Studios have been nominated for Best Animated Feature. Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit won in 2005, Michael. And if you expand that list out to BAFTA nominations, then... I think it's like seven out of the nine films have uh, been at least nominated for BAFTA. So the, this studio is very uh, well received by the academies on, on, both, uh, on both continents, Michael. People are predicting Chicken Run Dawn of the Nugget to still get nominated, even though animated feature is as crowded as it is. Based on track record, well, yeah, it makes a sense. But like, like we both said, kind of felt very kids movie-ish. Yeah, animation has been too good this year. Don't do the yeah. kids movie thing. You know, well, maybe it's good. Who knows? Uh, yeah, we'll we got to talk about the second trailer for The Exorcist Believer. Mm-hmm. Lots of people are saying number one that they've squandered a, a great opportunity, uh, a very lucrative opportunity by being the next quote unquote double feature that Gen Z makes into a meme slash whatever uh, you know phenomenon that was Barbenheimer, and this could have been Exorcist. With Taylor Swift. Yeah. What were we thinking? How do we fail? How do we fail? Because even when I was listening to people talk about what could the Exorcist Believer and Taylor Swift concert movie be called, immediately hit me then, Exorcist. And Tony Dobbish, shout out to him. He's a a frequent contributor on in our Instagram DMs. He was the first person that brought that to my attention. I was like, that makes so much sense. I don't get it. I'm dumb. 
but I'm you're really right. upset that we didn't come up with that. If Justin Bieber was in there, because the same managerial team, right? Same used to be. Or, but, but it would be extra swift, the believer. Just with B. itself. Yeah. <laughs> but easy. I don't think he's in there. I don't think he's in the concert, or is he? Well, if he is, I'm going to be very upset because the Exorcist Belieber. I mean, good God, that's a once in a lifetime thing. Never mind Barbenheimer. We're doubling down on your jet dad jokes. We're teaming up to double down, uh, even though we should have came with the obviously low hanging fruit of Exorcist Swift. Look at that would be the weirdest double he- header double uh, feature ever. Correct? Sure would. Like people are not very high highs in different ways. I, I'm also. Wouldn't you think Flower Moon and Exorcist share more of a crossover audience than a Taylor Swift concert movie and Exorcist would? Yes. And yet they're moving to Flower Moon? I don't understand. <laughs> I do not understand what's going on. Well, Flower Moon moved beyond Taylor Swift. Well, Taylor Swift's concert film, the Eras Tour concert film, is going to be massive. It's going to be the biggest hit yes. of the fall domestically. I agree. I agree. But it's catering a lot to younger people who would not be able to get into The Exorcist anyway. Right. So I don't understand what the fear is there. All the happy concert-going film-goers in this one, they're not going to want a double feature with Exorcist Swift. So, of course... Like, on opening weekend, the parents could have brought the kids to the theater, dropped them off at the Taylor Swift movie, and then gone to see The Exorcist. <laughs> you could do that in theory. Um, I guess you still could, but you got to wait a week. But you got to wait a week. Yeah. I don't know what this next uh, double feature is going to be, but I, I know I'm uh, very curious. This is this is what all our dad joke and sons of guns are doing. Everybody else just actually wants another movie going phenomena. <laughs> I look. I don't think The Exorcist, is, the believer, is going to be big. I like this trailer a little more than the last one. However, I hated the first half of the trailer. I like the second half of the trailer. The last trailer, I like the first half and despise the second half. Where are you at? Well, this is this is what every this is Ann Dowd's career crescendo for for one for starters, okay. right? I like that. I mean, everything she's ever done has been in preparation for this role where she's accosted by the actual devil, isn't it? We talk <laughs> about how she's the harbinger of death and everything she's in anyway. She seems to be the exorcist here, so that's right. not going to go well. And, and no, and the devil wins clearly because Ann Dowd brings death <laughs> upon others. And, like, like in 1973, the order of who needed to be in the 50-year anniversary sequel, it was, like, Linda Blair won, Ellen Burstyn two, and then a 17-year-old Ann Dowd. Like, she just had to. It was destiny that she appear in this movie. I liked a couple things about the stakes being raised, where Leslie Odom has a Sophie's Choice. You choose yes. one, one girl lives, one girl dies. That was interesting. However, like, I feel like I just watched this movie. With the Pope's Exorcist, never mind Possibly, the fact that yep. I've probably just watched this movie a hundred times anyway with exorcism genre films. So, is that the biggest issue that this trailer has and this, this film right like now has going against it? Four different episodes. Yeah, I mean, we just had we just had the Evil Evil Dead Rise. That was an exorcism, or that was a possession film that actually had people really talking in the trailer that did well. At the box office, right? Yeah, and, and the exorcism genre film has been overdone, and there's not a lot of new ground to, to farm there, is your point. But my point is, if this wasn't titled The Exorcist and was just another exorcism movie, 
Are you more or less intrigued by it? Because I feel like the exorcism name being attached to it is kind of bringing people down because it's making their hopes so high. The hopes are too high. But no, I, I would not be that interested. No. You would have zero interest if this wasn't if this was just another exorcist. But movie. it's recognizable enough as the Exorcist franchise here. I, well, obviously, even if Ellen Bernstein was not in it, those girls look like Linda Blair from the. They look yeah. like Reagan from the first movie. But they do right, a great job whatever. with the makeup. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm really not into this one. I, I'm. I'm just not. Are you like hyped to see this movie? Like you got a bunch. No, of stuff not written. hyped. I'm hopeful though. I mean, okay. it's. You know, we are getting the Pazuzu McNeil family rematch, and that 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 inspires some. You know, like, I do like that, and it's it's going to be hard to screw up bringing back a legacy horror character. Like, what's David Gordon Green going to do? Bring in a totally new character to become the focus of the movie and relegate all the main players to bit parts? Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's that does worry me. Like, obviously, but I, I'm hopeful. I'm not hyped, but I. I don't think the trailers have been as bad as everyone has said they are. They're they're just fine to me. They're they're okay. They're, they're the be- trailers. They're hard. The trailers. beginning of this trailer, it's just jarring, but not in a fun way. When the girls are just like, ah, la, 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 la. <laughs> stupid at this point. I get it. Well, let's finish with a prop bet here. <laughs> Uh, similar to what you had for what will the also Mike score be, what's going to be the debut Rotten Tomatoes critic score for Exorcist Non-Believer? Ooh. All right, I'll give you odds and along the way. Over okay. 85%, I'll give you plus 1,000. Over no. 75%, I'll give you plus 550. No. Over 65%, I'll give you plus 110. Over 55%, I'll give you minus 150. Over 40%, I'll give you minus 300. And anything under 40%, I'll give you plus 200. I would pick... I Honestly, I'd pick the 50-whatever percent. What, 55, what was that? Over, so over minus 150? Over 55%, minus 150. Yeah, I'd probably put a little something on that. Aim small, miss small. Wager small. So what do you think it'll be? It'll be like 57, 58? Yeah, I think it's going to be middling, is my guess. Do you have hope for it, or are you just expecting a total dud? I'm not expecting a dud. I just feel like it's going to be, everybody's everybody's going to be kind of slanted downward. So I'm tempted to pick like over 60-something percent, because you do get the, the flock of, you know, critics that are... You know that, that that like movies when they go to premieres and whatever. You know, you can get a hype train going. But I just feel people are really down on this movie right now. Like, I, I, this might be one of Jason Blum's few real big misfires. And what does this do to David Gordon Green if it is? I, I just don't. I, even if it's good, is it's going to be a money loser though? No. Even if it's good, even if the even if this Rotten Tomato score is eighty something percent, who wants to see this movie? Is my question. I don't know. I think it goes, I mean, I think it's a combination of you're right that the Exorcist movie is is tough to find to be innovative with. That's where I am hopeful. Maybe he does find something David Gordon Green does that hasn't been done before. I don't know. Um, And I don't know where the audience is for this because I don't know how many of the original fans of the original Exorcism um, franchise or Exorcism movie even are still around. 
I didn't even know what this. they should have done with the title. Exorcist Believer is not a good title. But what should they have done? Should they have just called it The Exorcist or Exorcist? What would have made this more or classier or I don't another, know. Another Exorcist? <laughs> the Exorcist 4? Next. Just do just do what the Friday film franchise did and just call it Next Exorcism? I don't know. It's I, I don't. I'm not crazy about the title either. I don't know, but I, I have hope. I just want we're we're in a good spot with horror, and I want them to keep making good horror movies and putting resources into them. Yeah. Uh, there you go. There it is. There is your Oscar race checkpoint for the ending of Telluride, the almost ending of Venice, and the beginning of TIFF, and that no doubt will precede more Oscar race checkpoint for more film festival stuff. And this is where the Oscars picture really starts to get their puzzle pieces together that we can start, uh, you know, put, I'm, I'm mixing analogies here, but eventually we're going to have all these pieces for this puzzle that have been painted that we're going to have to put together and kind of put the forest for the trees and make our predictions with. This is where the, the whole Oscars picture starts coming into somewhat of a focus for us to massively, massively screw up with and what matters always when it's that time of year for us, dear listeners, are your thoughts. What are you excited to see the reviews of what are you excited to see now as a result of these film festivals and we want to know your thoughts also on the on the new trailers especially the exorcist trailer that we just spent some time pontificating on you can leave us all of those as well as any other thoughts comments questions or concerns you have for anything we do here at the mmo empire on our social medias we are mike mike and oscar on facebook and instagram at mm and oscar on twitter mike mike and oscar at gmail.com.com and on reddit we are available wherever you do hear podcasts and if you're listening to us on either the apple podcast or spotify app if you appreciate what we do here if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review those help us out immensely thank you to everyone who has done so thus far michael let's have some words of wisdom to end on and tell the good people what's coming next from mmo more oscar race checkpoints like we said toronto is opening up there's a lot of first reactions that we need and that uh will factor into the oscars race we got those venice awards coming out this weekend so we'll be doing a show asafp and sorry again for just the one episode week this week but it's life finds a way uh, right now. <laughs> to, to mess us so up, yeah. busy. Uh, we do want to do some kind of segment or review on Bottoms. I loved it. I'm waiting for you to see it. And my words of wisdom today is take a gamble, not just on these prop bets, but take a gamble on these <laughs> September movies, folks. I, I had a really good start to my September with Bottoms. I went with a group, laughed my ass off uh, in terms of quantity of laughs. Uh, I know that some friends of the show – did not like bottoms, so I, maybe it's a hit or miss with some people. Maybe it's an acquired taste, but I don't know. Emma Seligman, uh, Rachel said it, and uh, Io Adebri, she was fantastic. I would laugh my butt off, so go see it, Mike. Go see it, everybody. Was Marshawn Lynch good? Marshawn Lynch is funny as hell. It's it's a weird yeah. movie, but it's it's really good. I, I wound up reviewing it anyway. What am I doing? Anyway, <laughs> I wanted to save that review, <laughs> but bottoms, I'm a big fan uh, of that movie it's, it's hard to do the comedy it's hard to do the comedy on the big screen right now and make it you know make it uh, profitable mm. so i'm hoping that people go see that like that's a movie that deserves to be a money maker and we we should get great young filmmakers making comedies for movie theaters like bottoms because i was in a, a sold out audience great we everybody's laughing their butts off it was great. that's awesome i'm glad to hear that great night out so I, I'm hoping it expands. It was only in 715 movie theaters, Bottoms was. So, yeah, go see it, people. There you go. 
Wise words, indeed. Uh, we look forward to having you on the next Oscar race checkpoint, which will no doubt uh, be in short order. But like Mike said, our apologies for only one episode on back-to-back weeks. We're hoping to return to a normal programming schedule uh, next week. Famous last words, of course, as always. But, uh, hey, dear listener, when reality sucks, you can come be abnormal on a schedule with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See you.